0: Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. We have got a great show in store. But before we jump into today's conversation, I want to take a moment to tell you about one of our amazing partners, Stamps.com. I don't know about you, but I think if I had a little extra time and extra money and breaking responsibilities and travel restrictions, you know, I'd have the first plane I could to travel somewhere, probably Scotland or Greece. I don't know, anywhere. Well, Stamps.com is all about saving us time since we'll never have to go to the post office again and saving us money for our travel funds with amazing discounted rates. Here's how it works. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and the UPS right to your computer. It's a must-have for any business. And whether you're a small office sending invoices, a side hustle, Etsy shop, shipping out orders, or you just love sending mail, I know, me too, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. No wonder over a million businesses choose Stamps.com for their mailing and shipping. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, you schedule a pickup or a drop-off. It is literally that simple. With Stamps.com, you get discounted up to 40% off post office rates and up to 66% off UPS shipping rates. Not to mention, Stamps.com is a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, y'all, saving you time and money. It's no wonder nearly a million small businesses already use Stamps.com. So stop spending so much of your limited time going to the post office and go to Stamps.com instead. There is no risk. And with my promo code, that sounds fun, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial Plus, free postage in a digital scale. No long term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com and click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in that sounds fun. That's stamps.com, promo code that sounds fun. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again. And I hope you've made your plans to join us for one of our 12 shows on the That Sounds Fun Coast to Coast tour that kicks off in just a couple of weeks. Y'all, I do not have words for how excited I am. And you know how rare it is for your girl to run out of words. If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, pop over to Annie F downscom slash events to grab them and all the details are there. Today on the show is one of my dear friends, Danielle Walker. I know many of you already know Danielle from way on back when she was on episode 36 and on the 2018 Christmas party and also when she and I got to join Angie Smith for the Come to the Table tour in 2019. Danielle is a New York Times best-selling cookbook author, Against All Grain, Meals Made Simple, Celebrations, and Eat What You Love. She's a health advocate, a wellness expert, and a self-trained chef. And after being diagnosed with an autoimmune disease at the age of 22 and suffering for many years, Danielle found health through dietary and lifestyle changes. Based on her own health journey, Danielle shares her amazing recipes on her blog as a beacon of hope for others. You guys know that her ranch dressing made me cry. It is that good (laughs) because it's dairy-free and it's amazing. She's Shares so much of herself and the story of her own health journey in her new book, "Food Save Me," which is out tomorrow. Yay! I love it when my friends release books. I cannot wait for y'all to hear more of her story. So here's my conversation with Danielle Walker. Danielle Walker, welcome back to That Sounds Fun. <laughs> I'll never use that voice. It just
1: felt right for you. <laughs> is it just going to be a lot of this? <laughs> just, uh-huh, I think so. No, no talking, just lots of laughing. Um, yes. thank you. First thing, top priority: artichokes season. <laughs> it is artichoke season. Am I correct? It is. It's almost over. How's it been? Like, we're, how's it been out there? <laughs> <laughs> it's been fantastic. My children have eaten like, their weight in them. Uh, they're great. I need to plant my own plants oh. in my backyard so that we don't have to keep spending. Cause they're not cheap. Oh yeah. Like, no. There Even was a in season, at, they're where, expensive. Yes. There was a point at the very beginning of artichoke season where to get organic artichokes, they weren't by weight. They were by like actual artichoke. They uh-huh. were $5 <gasps> an artichoke. And my I was like, gosh. My children will go through three of them if I let them, and I'm like, we have to ration the artichokes, right? (laughs) Because I can't. That's like an entire meal's worth of money for just your vegetable. (laughs) Yes, kind of hard to complain about, and also kind of hard to tell your kids no to a vegetable, but they love it. I need to tell you, I can I never eat the leaves of artichokes, or can I eat the middle leaves? The middle leaves, like. You mean so you like take all the ones off around the outside? Mm-hmm. So, or you cut then it? Then you, know, you cut it in half, and yes. you get the hairy stuff out.
0: Yes, right. And then the you choke, grill yeah. it. Oh, oh, that would be the choke. Got it. Yeah. Okay. You grill it. There's a restaurant here that does it perfectly. Jay Alexander's yeah. has grilled artichokes. But the center leaves, when you've cl- cleaned out the choke, and all you have left is the heart and the leaves. Most yeah. for the bigger leaves, you scrape. The bottom half-ish, the meat off. Those middle leaves are so soft. Sometimes
1: I have to eat the whole thing. I think you can totally eat the whole thing if it's soft. Okay, great. I feel like, so my grandma used to tell me, because that's who I learned how to make them from, that the middle part, like the choke, the hairy stuff yep. would actually make you choke. That's what she told us so that we oh, wouldn't eat it, which yeah. I don't know if that's the truth or not, but it does. I mean, you get some of that stuff in there and it's not, it's not pretty, it's not great. but the middle leaves, if you're, if they're not pokey on the outside and they're like on the top and they're just full, like practically meat. Yeah. I don't see why not. You just take that right. whole thing off and like dip it in whatever you're dipping. That's and right. And eat it. That's right. Yeah, man,
0: I just don't know a better world than when you make me artichokes <laughs> with that dip you make. And it's in it's in
1: one of your cookbooks, isn't it? I think it's in the first book. Yeah, it's in the first book. And there is a better world, and that's when I make you artichokes with the dip and crab.
0: Oh, that's exactly right. You're <laughs> actually exactly right. You. But the problem is, my is, my is those upgrade. seasons
1: are actually like right on the back, so you only have a very small window to be able to do crab and artichokes at the same time in California. It's, it's like, we're, we're talking weeks. So we just need oh. to plan your annual vacation to visit me <laughs> during that <laughs> little bit of time. I mean, can we talk that it's insane that I
0: easily got to you in 2020, but I haven't yet in 2021? That's I ridiculous.
1: Was that, was I there bef- right before? It was right yeah. before the pandemic, right? Yeah. It was February. It was like right before life shut down. That is wild. I know. Cause I was I trying to
0: think back. I was like, did I have a mask
1: on when we were there? But no. no. No, we no, didn't. no, we were able to just hang out. You've got that picture of Kezia on your shoulders yes. at the table now. It was all like went before life was complicated, <laughs> Yes, even though that was complicated for me at that point because I was recovering from that yeah. terrible flare-up in yeah. two, 2019. Man, flare-up is such a nicer
0: word than that actually deserved. <laughs> I mean, that. I mean, you were in the hospital
1: for how long? Three weeks. Yeah. And then oh in, in bed for probably like four months. Is, is it because we went on tour? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, I ended up adding four chapters, I think maybe five to Food Save Me to the book after that tour <laughs> Really, uh, uh, for a lot of different reasons, but no, it's not fully because we went on tour, but I think that was definitely like, what idiom do you want to use? The The straw that broke the camel's back sure. or I'm like, there's a lot of different ones, but yeah, that I think was the tipping point. Yeah. It was kind of the final, like my body was not happy with me.
0: How so, Danielle? One, of the, we're just going to jump in on yeah, body yeah, yeah. food talk. Do it because one of the things I love about Food Save Me is it really is your journey. I mean, all all of our friends listening probably have some of your cookbooks, if not all of them, because you we all love you. But Food Save Me really <laughs> is your story of why you even started doing that. How how do we know in our own bodies? Because you know I have such weird food stuff in my own body. Right. How do we know in our own bodies? when what we're eating isn't what our body loves? Yeah,
1: that's a good question. Thank I think you. uh, you're, you're welcome. You do you do well at this My dad loves have... when people say that, Danielle, so it
0: always makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's, that's really what the book is about. Yes, it's my story, but actually more so than my story, it's about trying to empower people to listen yeah. to their own bodies, yes. right? Because your, your story, A, may not be the same as mine. And actually we have over like 400 of other people's stories in yeah. the front and back and throughout the whole book, which I love uh, that from everything from multiple sclerosis to PCOS to infertility to yep. rheumatoid arthritis. And so while your your body, your symptoms, your disease, your ailments may not be the exact same as mine, I think the journey is very similar. And then in that same vein, it may, your, your food sensitivities, what helps you, what makes you worse might be slightly different than mine. Uh, and so really sharing like from point A about 12 years ago when I got diagnosed until now, and that I'm continuing to learn and with every flare up and setback, I learn more pieces of the puzzle. Sharing all of that was, it's my hope and prayer that people read that and realize just how much you have to be an advocate for your own body and how much you have to listen to it. So, that's a long story or a long answer, but the short answer is that you really do. You have to listen to your body, you have to listen to the different nuances. And I will say, there's so much that we just live with day to day, like that I don't think. God intended for us to be living with. I feel like our bodies are actually supposed to work like that would, that would make sense. Yeah. And just the joint pain and the migraines and the headaches and you know, all of that, that we just kind of are like, Oh, it's just what life is, or it's just getting older or, you know, that kind of a thing. And I really feel like you can do so much with food that can be preventative, but also incredibly healing that you can really start to notice where your body thrives. So I think that that's the answer to that is just like listening and what works for you and whether that's keeping a journal and like seeing and trying to correlate, you know, your symptoms to what you ate. And that's kind of what I talked through that process in there of, of figuring out what worked for mine.
0: Yeah, because I, I, the problem is for most of our friends listening, we, not everyone, but for most of our friends listening, most of the time we do not have a food shortage in our personal lives right? Like (laughs) we are pretty food stable in general, not everyone, but most people are probably pretty food stable. And, and the problem becomes like, I really want to eat this thing, even if it makes me feel bad. And other times it is, I have no idea what I'm eating that makes me feel bad. But you mean to tell me I don't have to feel like this? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I agree. And I think first of all, I don't feel like people normally point to food first. It's almost like the last place we look. And that's, I, it, it happened to me too. I went through every single thing you could possibly think of before trying food. I mean, so much as like trying nicotine patches because they were supposed to like regulate the immune system. I mean, I did everything <laughs> and anything the like, I am going to quit sun. smoking
0: even though yeah. I'm not a smoker. <laughs> Never was a smoker.
1: No, but it, there was all this research that it could actually help like modulate the immune system. And I was like, all right, I'll slap a patch on if right. that like gets me off of some of the medications. Long story short, it made me super sick because when you're not a smoker and you're putting nicotine into your body, I was like nauseated all the time. (laughs) But all that to say, I tried anything. I I never know that story, Danielle. That is so funny. You're like, (laughs) like, let me put a little
0: nicotine in my body via my arm.
1: Yeah. Listen, uh, the medications that I was on were so debilitating and they made me so sick and they weren't working. And so I was just kind of on this path of like, whatever I can do that will work yeah. is what I want to do. Yeah. So I tried anything and everything, but food was one of the last things that I tried. Yeah, uh, And I think there's a reason, I think there's a few reasons for that. Number one, I don't think people really think of that at first because to a lot of people, food is just sustenance and it's just right. like what gets you by, or there's a lot of really, really deep personal memories and traditions that are tied to it. And so that's kind of like the last thing that you really want to look at. And then I think also it's just really difficult to to figure that out. And medications are definitely easier sometimes. But yeah, I think once you actually try something and you notice how well you feel and how much your body is thriving, it's a lot easier to kind of stick to that and realize like, oh, wow, this actually is worth it. Because I don't really want to ever go back to the way mm-hmm. that I was feeling before. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's the problem is I don't know that when we have a good day in our bodies, that we take time to pay attention to. I wonder if it's because I didn't have this yesterday, or because I did have this. True. Except for like alcohol. I mean, I think right, when right. when you you know why you feel bad the morning after you drink too much alcohol, that's not the same. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so before we go into specifics, let's talk about food freedom and okay. and what yeah. it looks like because we are not diet. We are not a, a pro right. diet group of friends around here. And we're not going to say yes to eating this and no to eating this because everybody's body's different. But we talk about how you stay healthy in your body, but don't feel tied to diet culture because diet culture makes me sad.
1: Yeah, me too. Um, Yeah, it's tough. I think for me first of all like the the first thing that I had to realize with this when I started to see the improvements and when I'm talking improvements I mean you're going to read kind of the long journey but there there was one specific point where I cut and did an elimination diet and my symptoms decreased by 75% in 24 hours 48 oh my hours maybe like days like just a couple of days right so that was for me an eye-opening experience to know that this was not a quick fix diet. This was something that was going to be a lifestyle. And yeah. so you'll never actually hear me use the word diet. I don't, I mean, I'll I'll sometimes say like I had to change my diet in terms yes. of like the foods that I was eating, but right. a diet. Like this isn't a 30-day, this isn't like, you know, a one-time thing that then I get to go back. This is a lifestyle for me. And for me, it was looking at it. In the positive light, Um, I did have an an eating disorder in high school and college and even throughout here and there of my adult life. And so it was really important to me to try to not make it feel restrictive, to try to not make it feel like, like I was being deprived, um, or that I was missing out on things because of it. And so in, instead what I used to do and what I still do is make a list of all the things I can't eat. And so instead mm-hmm. of being like, I don't eat this, 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 and this, I actually say like, I get to eat, you know, organic and grass-fed proteins and berries and nuts and seeds and fruits and vegetables. And that's like, you know, and then because I create the recipes, cupcakes and cookies and fake queso dip, and, Oh, that's just like, the best. um, All those things, right? Like I try to focus on, on the positive because I don't think it's sustainable when you, when you focus on the negative. Now I will say I did name my first blog and books against all grain, which feels very negative. <laughs> but the story of, of that is in the book, but yeah, in general, I think it's just more sustainable and just so much more life-giving when you focus on all the things that you can still enjoy. Hey friends, just
0: interrupted this conversation real quick to share about one of our incredible partners, Raycon. So, as we're safely able to go to the occasional concert these days, one of my favorite practices is listening to the artist playlist to prepare for the show. Did you know you could do that? I did that just a couple of weeks ago before the Lady A show, and man, those harmonies sounded good in my Raycon everyday earbuds. Raycon is your source for innovative earbud designs at prices that don't break the bank. Raycon's wireless earbuds come in a range of fun colors. They have carbon black, electric blue, but you know mine are rose gold. And unlike most other wireless options, Raycon earbuds come with a bunch of different size gel tips, so you can choose the ones that are most comfortable for you. Their earbuds are stylish and discreet, no dangling wires or stems. Raycon earbuds have a 32-hour battery life, y'all. That is so long. It's good amount of listening time. The Bluetooth pairing is super simple and seamless, and the audio quality is excellent with more bass, and they're in a compact little case that's easy to slide into your backpack, your computer bag, or your purse, so you always have them handy. And since they're water and sweat resistant, I never worry about wearing them when I'm exercising. So go to buyraycon.com slash that sounds fun and get 15% off your order. Again, that's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash that sounds fun. Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of other premium wireless earbud brands. They sound just as amazing as other top audio brands. And Raycons come with a 45-day happiness guarantee, so you really can't lose. Give them a try and you'll see what I mean. And now let's get back to our conversation with Danielle. I have never thought about how your name is against all grain, like literally against all grain. Just, just yeah,
1: very like doomsday.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You really stuck it to grain (laughs) that day. You're like, oh, I'm about to build an empire being against all of you
1: grains. (laughs)
0: The story of
1: the inception of that name is in there, but since like in the last few years, we've transitioned more. We have a new website called DanielleWalker.com because it started to feel a little, just a little negative and a little kind of taking it personally. Yeah. 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 Well, and yeah, there's, there's a lot of nuances now, you know, over the last 10 years that yeah. have, that have changed a little. So <laughs> I, I mean,
0: you know that, I mean, that's my story with dairy too, is the first day, I mean, literally 40 hours after I quit yeah. dairy, I felt like a different person. I was like, yeah, Oh, and so to me, that was the first time I was, I don't know, 30, 35, maybe 36, Yeah, it was six or seven years ago. And I remember being like, Oh, this is what it feels like when you're not tired? Oh, this right, is, I mean, it was right. like, it, it was literally like a fog lifted off of me. And yeah. I had never known that. It's almost like I didn't know what I did. It, it is. I didn't know what I didn't know. And totally. I had no idea how my body did not love dairy until right. I did that.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And it's a lot of people, when you say fog, like glute, that's what a lot of people say when they stop gluten too yeah. and grains. And it is, it's kind of like we go through life and almost just make up for those things. So if you're super tired, we drink more caffeine yeah. or, you know, or if we just have like, we're going for a walk and something hurts, we take Advil. And so it's like, we just kind of keep covering them up with band-aids, but when you really do get to see how well you feel, <laughs> if if you have those sensitivities, it's it's pretty... It's pretty eye-opening. Yeah. I You know how I talk about gluten. I'm always like, well, I
0: feel like a tranquilized bear cub when I eat eat that. So that is a lot to to deal with. So if I have nothing the next day, I would very much enjoy some gluten. But I have to be able to be tranquilized for some hours. So (laughs) it's just weird. But, Danielle, the hard part about talking about food is people— so quickly, and you experience this profoundly, I'm sure. Maybe it's men and women, but I know it's women. People so quickly start talking about bodies when they talk about food. Yeah. How do we separate that? How do we have healthy conversations about food and not make it
1: about our bodies? Man. That's a that's another great question, Annie. um I wish I really wish that people would stop talking about anybody's body, anybody but yeah. their own. Like it's yeah. just that's it's a that's a that's an issue that is, I feel like separate. And then on top of that, when we talk about the body, I don't understand why it's the outward body that we talk about and why it can't be the health of the inward body. Yeah. And so I'm like, I I wish that that's what we focused on. But even for me, I mean, I get comments all the time about stuff like that when I'm sick or when I'm starting to look better. And, you know, I mean, it's just, it's a really tough road to navigate, but I feel like what we need to try to focus on is internally, you know, I mean, oh, when you say men and women, it's true, but also like 50 million Americans have autoimmune disease. And I think <gasps> 75% or 80% of those are females. Wow. Um, and the number just is continuing to grow and it yeah. seems to be continuing to skew towards women. So I feel like that the whole body, the body image side of it is like an extra layer that I do think that the, the female population that deals with autoimmune disease has to deal with, because also with autoimmune disease, a lot of times it's kind of invisible. Like, I mean, I was on tour with you and I was so sick, but to most people, like just looking at me, you would never have known how sick I was until I kind of go off my cliff and end up in the hospital. And and then I look like death, but (laughs) It's a lot of people walk around just looking somewhat normal, but internally being so sick. So I yeah. wish that we could like, when we talk about anybody's body, I wish we could ask like how you are actually inside, yeah. how, you, how you, your health is and not anything about your physical appearance.
0: When you're raising your children, specifically mm-hmm. Kezia, your daughter, I mean, how are you, what are some ways that we could be... Helping our daughters grow up in a world where we care about what we eat but we don't
1: talk about each other's bodies. Oh gosh I, how do we do I, that I don't know how to do I don't that no mm-hmm. I know I'm still my she's only four and in just in the last like year she's nowhere near thinking about that stuff yet but just in the last year it's been very like heavy on my heart of figuring that out because I'm still self-deprecating as an adult and I want to make sure she never hears any of that. Right. And I do, cause I don't want her to grow up having some of the same kind of body image issues that I did. Um, so it's a constant thing on my mind and I'm just trying to understand what is that healthy balance of wanting to make sure that she does take care of her body and treat it well and eat the things that will help make her healthy. And also autoimmune disease is hereditary. So we're also very careful with trying to make sure that our kids don't inherit what I have. So yeah, it's a, it's a tight it's a very tight rope to walk and i to be honest with you i don't know that i have the answers i feel yeah. like we we all need to seek our counselors on that one because yeah. i i need help too and i don't know yeah i mean it's just for us the the foundation with both my boys and her of the way that we eat and how we talk to them about that is yeah. just trying to not villainize any of the foods that we don't eat, but really kind of the same thing like I do with myself, but trying to show them, you know, the different health benefits of the foods that we do eat. Yeah. And also trying to have kind of the recreations of some of the things that they might see their friends eat um, and letting them know, you know, why we do this and, and hopefully building a strong, healthy foundation with food for them that they'll start to make their own decisions as they yeah. get older. Yeah. Um, and when they don't feel good. Good. Like I definitely am the first to point out if they I I I will let them try things, right? Like they'll go to a birthday party and they'll be like, I want to have one of those cupcakes. And I'm like, okay. And then if they don't feel good when they get home, I'm like, so why do you think you're not feeling good? You know, yeah. and then we kind of try to backtrack and look at what they ate that was different. And then, you know, next time they're like, I might just take a couple bites or I might just have half, or like I might lick the frosting. <laughs> That's yeah, what the yeah, oldest yeah. does. And then actually I'm gonna have your cupcake when we get home because I know that when I eat your cupcake, it tastes great, but I don't feel like, icky afterwards.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's just something about the way even you titled your book, Food Saved Me, of this idea of, like, food's not the enemy here. It's not that food's the enemy. And so often it feels like with diet culture, food is the enemy. And even in, like, um, body positive circles, food is considered the hero right instead right, of just right. in in but it feels like too much sometimes to me yeah but i love what you teach and what you wrote about in food save me of just like man this is this is from god for us and yeah. it is meant so i mean has that been hard for you to find that balance or was that easier for you than it feels like it is for me
1: <laughs> i mean i was f- like, I feel like I was forced to just to figure it out. Right. So I think there's a difference in when I almost lost my life and this is what gave me my life back and gave me the ability to be a mom and to be present for my kids and to have an amazing career where I get to help people. And so there wasn't, there's not as much there for me because there's, I see so many positive sides to it and it has brought so much hope to our life. Yeah. It's, it is, it is, it's really, I, I mean, yeah, I say that in there, like the food that I eat and the way that I eat it is just, I think how God created it. It's like before mm-hmm. we went and started industrializing everything and messing it all up. So yeah. to me, that kind of made sense too, when I was first trying to figure this all out and I was looking through all the different ways that people eat. And I was like, this one just feels like it makes the most sense. I'm like, <laughs> it feels super logical. It feels like it's just real whole foods, you know, the way that they were intended and there weren't any extra things being done. There weren't any bars like that I was having to buy or, you know, like yeah. pack, right. It was like, it wasn't like anything being hawked to me. There weren't any extra like bottles of pills or, yeah. you know, like shakes, anything like that. Right. It was just like, this is just food that you can actually go and grab from like the produce department or right. the meat counter or your farmer's market. So you- yeah, that, I think that helped.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just think it's a it's a weird spot, Daniel, and you are the one who does it the best, which is why we're doing this conversation. You would ima- as you can imagine, we get a lot of uh, communication from people who want to talk about this space and where faith yeah. meets food and our bodies and all that, and I say no to almost all of them, except you and <laughs> Jess Connolly, right? Because I think what you what you model for us about food and where it meets God and where it meets our lives. It, it just matters a ton to me. What is your, f- How has your faith been affected by all of this, if you want to talk about that?
1: <laughs> um, this is the first time I've gotten to write about that in this book, and it was tough for me to yeah. write about because it has suffered and struggled along, and it is still on a like rebuilding path right now. Um, I grew up in a conservative Christian household, and my faith— for me was kind of just because it was told for me to 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 believe it. Yeah. And it was never really questioned ever until my early 20s. I just I had a fairly easy upbringing with a like healthy household, two parents who loved each other and very little loss or death, like I don't really remember anything like that growing up grandparent wise and stuff. And so when I was diagnosed 2 months after being married and laying in a hospital bed in Uganda, that was really like the first moment where I was like, you know, what, wh- where, what is this God? Where is the God? Where is the God that I grew up just being told essentially that like ask for and you shall receive and yeah. have enough faith and things will happen the way that, you know, you expect them to or what you ask for. So that was really kind of the first moment of just having to really dig into what i had learned growing up but also really make it my own faith and at that point i really feel like i laid like very relied very heavily on yeah. god and for and for a while after that yeah. um after we lost our daughter was really kind of the first moment where i felt like my faith started to just crumble in, around me because i just didn't know what to do with everything that was happening and how to reconcile believing in a god that i thought was good and that took care of us and why he would give me a child that wouldn't make it here on earth. Um, And so then I really started to like try to rebuild after that. And then this 2019 setback where I I almost lost my life doing something that I felt like he was telling me to do and what my calling was and traveling and helping people get well. That was another tough time on that. And so it's, um, (laughs) it's not, it's still in the process. It's still in the process. Um, It's very different than it used to be, Uh, but I, I actually appreciate that because I feel like when I do go through these periods, I know just from past experiences that I come back out with a different insight and a deeper relationship. And so I'm kind of in the process of just letting it ride right now, like I'm, I'm, figuring things out, but I have no timeline on it of when mm. to get out on the other side, because I know that he doesn't, and I know yeah. that he'll be there no matter what. And I know that when I do get out, that I, I come out stronger. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, whenever whenever that time is,
0: <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I mean, so many of our friends listening are walking through loss or grief or disappointment with God while they're trying to yeah. raise kids. Right. Like it's, it's different tough. for our friends that are listening that are single or are married without kids or are empty nesters. But yes. there's so many friends listening who right in the middle of their dark night of the soul or their wrestling with God, they also want their kids to know God. Right. So how do you do that, Danielle? How do you and how do you still expose your kids to who God is while you're struggling with your own dark night seasons?
1: Oh, man. I feel hypocritical some of the time because they'll yeah. ask questions, and I'll tell them something that then, in my head, I'm kind of like, but is that is that true, or do I you know, do I still believe that? we he God and Jesus are still super present in our household. Yeah. and my kids also go to Christian school, which helps. Sometimes I feel like when I can't do all that I yes. need to do at home, at least they're getting this like foundation somewhere else. Um, but I'm also just super honest with them. Like they'll ask questions about Ayla, their sister and why she's in heaven or, you know, why she didn't get to come home and things like that. And I'll be like, I don't know. Like, I don't know, you know, or they'll ask me like what, what she's doing in heaven or if they'll get to see her. And I'm like, I want to, I, I want to believe that is yes. yes, but some, but i also don't know, you know? And I think kids, I think that that's better than the way that I was raised where it was kind of just like you you will believe it yes. <laughs> or else <laughs> yes. um because i want them to see that there's the realness in that and that it is meant to be a relationship and that relationships ebb and flow and relationships sometimes also go quiet for a while and then sometimes they're super strong and and so you know without without like filling them with all of my occasional doubt yeah. just being honest with them and the nice thing too is when you are you know, raising children, if you have a supportive spouse with you, Ryan and I usually are kind of on different times. Like some, there'll be times when he is just super like I don't don't, don't know what the word is, but just really digging in, really relying on God. And then there'll be times where he starts to kind of, you know, dip. And usually that's about the time, thankfully, that I'm kind of trying to make my way back up. So we talk a lot and and it's like each other that are kind of trying to help each other figure it out. And so the nice thing is, is if I'm like in a dark season, then hopefully he's not, and he can kind of take that on with the kids until I'm in a little bit better of a spot. I think, What you're saying
0: is so helpful because uh, putting kids in Christian school or Sunday school or letting them be in uh, some sort of small group, uh, you know, there's all these options of support around what you want to do. And part of it is when you aren't able, there are people who are able, whether it's Ryan or or a fifth grade teacher.
1: Great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that's really yeah, and important. I think
1: it. I mean, it does. It does need to be from both sides at the same time, right? Like if they're in a school, but they're not having that at home at all, then that's going to be difficult for them too. But I do. I, I really love that. That especially with everything we've gone through, that they are kind of getting at least like the the foundation of it at school, but then they can come and talk to us about like what the real life <laughs> looks yeah, like with that, yeah. and you know, in in those different seasons.
0: What do what do you hope your kids think about Food Saved Me whenever they read it? And oh like, you know, I mean, Asher will probably read it in years, you know, like, and Kezia, yeah. lots of years, you know. you right, right. But what do you hope when you think about this book sitting on your kids' bookshelves when they're adults? What do you mm-hmm. hope they think
1: when they read Food Saved Me? Oh, man. That could make me cry because I don't always think of them reading it necessarily want them to know everything that we've been through, at least not yet. I don't want to scare them. Um and I also don't want to there's a story in there about Asher in 2019 and he was very worried I was not going to come home from the hospital.
0: Yeah. I hope we that all when were they very worried it, that you were not going to come home from the hospital, Danielle.
1: <laughs> so was I. So but to yeah. have a 10 year old being or nine, I think at the time actually yeah. almost 10, um, to have him like have that burden was yeah just terrible mm. on my heart. Yeah. I mean, I hope when they read it, I hope that they see a resilience and the, just the determination for me and for Ryan to, f- to press on and find hope and not mm. let the disease rule our life. Um, I mean, we're talking, I was, we were newlyweds. So like, we could have kind of just been like, all right, this is it no, you know, like I'm not, we're not going to really get to have the life that we wanted, but we were determined to to fight for that, to fight for our marriage, to fight for the family that we eventually wanted, that just the lifestyle in general to, to be able to still enjoy life. So I hope that they see that. I hope that they see that when there are circumstances that aren't what you expected, that you still can take that and turn it into something that is hopeful, that does have light, that does impact other people and that you don't have to let it completely rule your life. And then I, I, the faith piece too, I think, and obviously taking care of your body yeah. as well. That's obviously the biggest part. But just... Just, yeah, knowing that things are going to come at them in their life and they're not going to be, you know, everything that they dreamt up or like the perfect life that I had in my head when I was 21 getting married or 22 getting married, but that you can still have a really wonderful life. Like we've gone through a lot in our for almost 14 years of marriage, but we've still had an incredible life together and mm. our kids and my business and our relationship, right? So it's just trying to find those bright spots amongst the, the dark kind of yeah. deep times. Um, I
0: think you'll be able to do this from your point of view of the story. I would, I, I would like to ask Ryan this, but I'm asking you this. Oh, is he there? Ryan, can we phone a friend? He, he's on, he's
1: <laughs> on, a, but you know, he wrote a chapter in the book. Yes.
0: Yes. I've read yeah. it. It's awesome. Yes. I
1: love it. I'm very happy. That's he's hilarious one. too, because he's so, mine is very story oriented yes. and his is like, here's some bullet points for right. how to support your loved one that That's has chronic right. illness. That's he's right. just very like, let me do a, let me do a presentation for you. I loved it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. What's the question? I'll no, see no, if no. I can answer it yeah. from him. From, so, Well, him.
0: when you look, I would love for you to talk about each of your kids and talk about one thing you see in them because of your resilience. How have hmm. you seen your resilience impact each of your kids?
1: Yeah, um, for Asher, and again, it's a little hard to tell because he was four when Ayla passed away. So I don't know what his personality would have been like, but I feel like his empathy that he has gained from going through that experience um and losing his sister, but then also getting to like now live, you know, seven plus years. After that and Mm -hmm. just what life looks like and being really attuned to, to loss, but also like the outlook that he has on what that life is like. And it's just to him, it's like his sister's just in heaven with Jesus and that's just what it is. and. He gets sad here and there, um, but he's really gotten to like talk to his siblings about it because they weren't born when she passed away. And so he really cares deeply for people. And he, I just love that. Like we have a friend actually in the hospital right now that's Mm. been there for over a month with, um, a a brain injury and we have these little bracelets that we wear and he's worn two of them and he says he's not taking them off until she gets home. Um, and it's just little things like that. Like he wore a Crohn's and colitis, um, Awareness baseball arm sleeve for me when I was in the hospital. Like he figured out what color Sweet. was the awareness color, you know, and wore that. And so I, there's, there's, he's got this really sensitive kind of feeling side that I love that I think came out of, of our loss. Easton and Kezia, I feel like, I don't know if, if I can see it yet, just because they're, they're five and, well, six, six and four. So I think they're still coming into their personalities, but I can tell you that Easton, And I would say her too, but Easton, he, he is so joyful and hilarious. And he was given to us by the Lord, no doubt. Like we, I got pregnant with him six months after Ayla passed away. So while that may not be something that he has gained from my resilience, I feel like that is, that's who he is in our family and that's what we needed. We gained gained him for your resilience. That's
0: right. Yep. I'm glad I live on a planet with Easton.
1: Uh, He's the best. best. You know, I know we're not supposed to like Enneagram type our children, but he is a seven. I think he might be. (laughs) He's so fun. (laughs) When he gets older, I'm like going to place bets. Yes, 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 yes. Um, And Kezia is kind of the same. It's like her personality is just starting to come out. But she was the reminder for us that it was okay to hope again. Wow. Uh, And so... Well, again, like that's not quite answering your question, but I do feel like all three of my children, almost more than anything, like I'm so lucky to have them because, and they've, they've helped my resilience, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Kind of answering your question in a backwards way.
0: No, I love, that's exactly right. (laughs) I mean, because I think there are times where we don't realize how our resilience affects other people, particularly people we're raising. You know, we just think, okay, I've just got to get up and do it again. Or, yeah. and you just don't know that that is like really impacting the people around
1: you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to teach them. You know, I mean, there was a point when I was traveling a lot for book tours and especially for Asher just because he was older. Yeah it was really hard for me to leave for him to see me leaving and there there was a moment where i was like you know what i'm actually just going to bring him into this i'm going to we're going to sit down and we're going to talk we're going to look through the pictures of the kids and the letters that people have sent yeah. of how their child has been healed from something or how their mother was in the hospital for months and now is feeling well and is able to like do these things with them and i'm going to let him see those things So that he knows that the work that I'm going out to do is to help these people. But not only that, but by him being like brave and allowing me to go out, he's playing a part in that. He's playing a part in like impacting these people's lives. Mm -hmm. And that's something that like now we've kind of done going forward. And in the same vein, you know, he's gone through things. And so like this, his best friend's mom has been in the hospital for over a month. And I'm like, you are one of the only people who probably know what it's like for for your mom to be in the hospital for that long, for you to not know you know, what's going on, how that feels. And so you can use that, um, as, as his friend, you know, and as somebody who's gone through the experience. So just kind of always trying to show them that we're going to go through crappy things and it's what we do with them that could have a potential to impact somebody and, and help somebody else that is going through it or that might go through it like, you know, five years down the road. Yeah.
0: I had this experience happen one time where I said to my counselor, that was the most painful gift I've ever been given. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> right. Like I said to her, yes. I was like, that was a gift and it also felt terrible. Terrible. <laughs> and yes. And so I just wonder how often, unknowingly to you, you've handed your kids gifts that you thought were just going, to, you know, being gone for those couple of weeks when you're in the hospital may end up being really important gifts in their lives. Of who, I mean, even that story just now of Asher's friend. I mean, no one else knows what that kid's feeling, except Asher right right that's like such a gift you've offered them that is that's incredible Danielle
1: oh, thanks, but yeah, I agree there's there's a lot of those you know, Angie and I always say we're like the bet it's we're the friendship that we've gotten is like the the worst best gift that we could have had out of losing our daughters, yeah, and I say that a lot, you know I mean my getting to write cookbooks and getting to do what I do comes. Came from me nearly dying and figuring out food. And I would have never expected that at the beginning. And I don't know if I would have wished for it, but would I change it now? Probably not. Yeah. I probably, I, I don't think I would go back because I feel so, I, well, I feel so blessed that I get to do what I do and have a small part and people finding health again and, you know, like getting their lives back and getting to be involved with their children or get married and have kids and, you know, all of that. And so while well, it's been a tough, 14 years I also don't know that I would change it for the world yeah
0: Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about another one of our incredible partners, Chime. I feel very confident that we'll all agree on this. Your online checking account should not cost you money, you guys. That's why I'm so glad that Chime exists. Chime is an award-winning app and a debit card that has no overdraft fees, foreign transaction fees, monthly service fees, or transfer fees. They have over 60,000 fee-free in-network ATMs. That's more than the top three national banks combined. And they're located at locations that we visit all the time, like Walgreens or CVS or a 7-Eleven for a Coke I see, so convenient. You can also send money to anyone, even if they aren't on Chime. No fees for you, no cash out fees for them. It's time to say goodbye to hidden fees, you guys. Join the millions of Americans already loving Chime. Sign up takes only two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score. So get started today at chime.com slash that sounds fun. Again, that's chime.com slash that sounds fun. Banking services are provided by and debit card issued by the Bancorp Bank or Stride Bank NA members FDIC. Out of network ATM withdrawal fees apply except at MoneyPass ATM in a 7 Eleven location and at any All Point or Visa Plus Alliance ATMs. Other fees, such as third party and cash deposit fees, may apply. And now back to finish up our conversation with Danielle. I I think so many, me and a lot of our friends listening, have painful things that we try to figure out how in the world could God use this to help other people? Like, is there a world? Can this matter? (laughs) Can this count for something? Can you please, God, make this count for something? So if someone's sitting right there, Danielle, I mean, we have proof in Food saved Me of how you've taken these really painful things. I mean, it's every chapter has that kind of story of like, here's how God was able to use this really hard thing. What encouragement would you give to people who are trying to figure out how to use the hard thing they've gone through to bring God glory and to make it count? Yeah,
1: it's tough because I don't think... I Well, I, first of all, I don't know that you know when that's going to happen, right? Uh, you know, it's like that could happen. I don't even know how many years down the road. And I also think I, my situation and what I've been able to do is – Incredible. But I used to say back, you know, when I first got sick, there was a woman who like sat down with us that helped us look through some different supplements that helped her daughter with the same disease. And I remember looking at Ryan and just being like, if I could help one other person like that, then like this could be worth it. And it's obviously gotten and become a lot bigger than that. But I think just focusing on those little things like Asher, right? It's like, he might only only once in his lifetime be able to connect with somebody like that, mm. like right now. And so yeah. I think it's just, even if it's just one and just trying to see if you can find that, I think that that's, that's the best thing that we can do. We can't make the bad situations go away, but we can try to make them have some sort of value and worth. And. Yeah. You know, I don't, it depends what the situation is, but I, I, we kind of experienced that with Ayla too, just deciding to be really open and honest and sharing her journey and our journey with her. And I think probably amongst like the most impactful responses from that were a few that were going through loss that found our story, but then realized that I had an autoimmune disease and that they had an autoimmune disease. And they came oh, wow. to figure out that food could actually help heal their bodies because of our losses. Like yeah. they may not have ever stumbled upon the cookbooks if if yeah. we hadn't have shared our story about Ayla. And so it's yeah. just those little things like just being brave and vulnerable to share and kind of just letting, I mean, we didn't share knowing that those things would happen, right? Like we just were like, all right, we're just going to put this out there because if it helps one person, then that that's, that's amazing. And also, but do you really mean that Danielle? Is
0: it enough to you if it helps one person? No,
1: no, 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 that's not, no, it's not enough. And it doesn't make it worth it. I always say that. It's not enough to me for one. I'm like, no, no, it's not enough for
0: (laughs) one. If I was meant, if my pain was meant to help one person, it'd be someone I can sit across the table from.
1: Right, that's true. No, you're right in that. But I feel like the the potential, though, for you to help that one person, and then for them to, you know, see how much you helped them, and for them to go like, right. I guess I just don't. You don't. You never know how big it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think specifically, even with with Ayla, I know I still hear from women today that because they read our story back seven years yeah. ago, and we're like. They're in their minds, they're like, Oh, I'm never gonna have to go through this. You know, it's like that's usually what you see when you look at somebody going through something hard. You're like, Oh, that's terrible for them, but thankfully I don't have to go through that. And then I'll hear, I read your story seven years ago. I just lost a baby, you know, this week. And remembering everything you wrote and going back and reading it has helped me just survive and get through it. And so, yeah, I mean, one. <laughs> it's, I don't know that it's ever worth it. It's yeah. just that it helps soften the blow a little yeah. bit, knowing that's that, right. Like that I, I love hearing the individual
0: yeah. stories. Like every story right. matters to me, but there are opportunities sitting across the table for someone where I'm like, well, this thing I'm working through is meant to help that person across the table. True. But right. But all these things and food saved me, <laughs> Danielle. I mean, there's. Hundreds of stories in this book of how that that's, I mean, there's probably a hundred for every one of the hundreds that we read. I'm sure have been changed by your story and your recipes. And I mean, your queso dip, it is just a blessing straight from the Lord, Danielle. (laughs) It is actually, uh, that is, it was not worth it for just one person, that queso dip. That's for everybody.
1: (laughs) <laughs> queso Saving the World. Queso yeah, I mean, saved that's Me I, is
0: my next book. Danielle's Queso <laughs> saved Me.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, man. By the way, because this is a podcast, when we say queso, we're saying it in quotes. Qu- sure. Quote queso because yes. there is no cheese in it. That's right. Um, it's a
0: cheese-free queso. That's why it saved me. And yeah. your ranch. You know that's what made me cry. Everybody knows that story. That, that made ranch. me cry I the do first remember. time I tried your ranch. It made me teary because it had been so long I, since I
1: had anything creamy. I, I love it. But yeah, that's why I wanted to share those stories because not everybody is going to get a chance to share their story with millions of people, right? right? It it might just be one. And for these people who sent in theirs, I might have been the only person that heard that story and I was... I was like, what kind of justice am I going to do their story by just me sitting on it? Yeah, yes. it's great. And it makes me yes. feel good. But like the the point is for, to, for me to be able to hopefully share that with so many more people that they might be able to find hope in their story. And especially because I have something called ulcerative colitis, right? Okay. I had no idea what that was. Most people don't. Most people know Crohn's disease, which is kind of similar. And so as I started getting all of these stories, which is so many different diseases and ailments, I was like, I need to share these. Not. only so their voices are heard and their stories are heard, but so that somebody who's suffering with something like that, that doesn't know ulcerative colitis and that would have otherwise kind of been like, eh, I don't need to read this, might see their same disease and be like, oh, wow, this could actually help me too. Yeah. It
0: just is, it was really generous of you to add all their stories because it just makes us all, you do such a great job of making us feel seen anyway. But then to see a PCOS story, I go like, oh yeah, like, me too. Like that makes so yeah. much sense for what you're saying and what I've So I just think that was a brilliant thing for you to do just to help everybody feel like they're part of it.
1: So. Yeah. Well, I mean, generous. I don't know if that's the right word. I say it's generous of them to share their intimate stories yeah. with me. But yeah, I mean, I, you were on tour with me and, and- the beginning of 2019, the first tour and the stories that were coming out of the audiences as people were standing up. I just remember being, and that's really where that idea for this book in general came from, but also for sharing people's stories, because I just remember standing on stage every night and hearing these miraculous stories. And I think one of the nights that you were with me was a woman who was in a wheelchair because of MS and was able to walk with like unassisted, without a walker, without a cane. And I remember thinking, It's amazing. There's 500 people or 600 people in this room who are hearing this story, but how does the rest of the world hear it? You know, I'm like, it feels selfish for me to sit and just be able to soak it in and not be able to go out and share it. And so when I was first starting to craft this book, I knew that one of the things that I wanted to do was try to share as many of the stories that I've heard over the last decade that I could in there.
0: Yeah. Well, I can't wait for people to get it, Danielle. I I mean, This this is such a fun one to read because we all have to eat. So all of us know about food. So this like there's not a person hearing this that isn't affected by food. And so I just think it's gonna be such a gift. It is such a gift. I loved it. Thank you. Is there anything I'm so nervous about it? Are
1: you? Say more. Oh gosh, I'm so nervous about it. Are you kidding? Yes. I mean, first of all, it's my first book. Like right. book book. Right. I always say this to all of you who yes. are my author friends that I'm like, yeah, I write 400-page cookbooks, <laughs> but every other page is a photo. Like a full <laughs> photo. <laughs> so so the amount of words in the book is significantly yes, less. yes. Um, so obviously the writing process was really difficult. But I mean, right. yeah, it's really as you know, it's really hard to put all of your failures yeah. and, tri- and and triumphs, but all of your, all my setbacks, everything in there. And I'm just, I'm, well, I'm nervous, first of all, of course, that it's not going to get into the hands of people that I'm really praying and hoping that it mm. will. Um, but just also that, you know, that it does what I hope it does and- yeah. That being in the hospital in 2019, after I had already like laid out the whole book and the title, right? <laughs> mind you, right. And feeling like I was a complete failure and that everything I believed in was not true because of where I was, right. was really difficult to get through. And. Yes finish that book yes. and add to it. And it kind of changed the meaning of the title to me. It added, like I said, many chapters. It yeah. it it also forced me to really get to look back on that decade and, and everything that had happened. And it renewed my faith in the fact that food did heal me, it did save me and that it's continuing to. But it's it's a it's a difficult road. I mean, I talk about being on going on a medication again for the first time in a decade and during that hospital stay and how that made me feel about knowing that food could could be so healing, but also relying on on the medication, you know, in tandem with that and just the failure complex that comes with that. But then also learning now over the last couple of years to be appreciative of that and know that whatever it takes to keep me healthy and being there for my family and not being worried about, you know, possibly landing in the hospital again is all that matters. So yeah, there's still, there's a lot in there. It's nerve wracking. C- yeah. Cookbooks are easy. I'm like, somebody doesn't like one recipe. Fine. But yeah, like, you know, the fine. other 300 are probably fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's just, yeah, it's your life. Like it's your yeah. life up for um, interpretation slash reviews. Yeah. So, um, you know, but I did it in hopes that it'll help people and, and, give them hope and help them find kind of a a renewed resolve to take an active role in their healing, especially, you know, but for believers, like there's, there's sometimes things that we have to do to walk hand in hand with asking for healing. And so that's, that's, you know, another message that's in there. Well, I,
0: I will go ahead and say to you, this book is going to help so many people, Danielle. It's going to help so many people. It is such a gift and you worked I walked with you in this. You worked so hard on this book, and you you overcame a lot of things that the world will never know to get this book out. And (laughs) and so I I just I just want to affirm you that this thing really matters. It really really matters. Thank you,
1: thank you, and for your support too and encouragement through the process because of course yeah you were there. You were there through it. Yeah. So luckily I'm on your, your name's in the book too, Yeah, a, That's right. There's a little there's a little story about you in there. Yeah, that's
0: right. I don't love this story. I feel sad about the story. You but don't Why? I feel sad because it's about us praying and the Lord not doing oh, what we asked. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. I feel sad about that. But it leads to a beautiful part of the book. And so it matters. It does.
1: But it does. But yeah, That's that sad. was a hard, that was a hard couple. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, no, but it was, it was good. Cause it taught, it, it taught me again to ask for things and yeah. that it may not look like it was like you hoped it would, Yeah. but really coming out of that that hospital stay and looking back on all of that is, I mean, I learned so much just by reading about the things that I had previously learned. We tend to forget the things that Uh, we learn, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, So getting to actually like have that gift of looking at all of the different things that I learned that had helped me over the years and being like, Oh, that's right. You know, it, and it, so, so yeah, while it wasn't exactly what I was hoping for, I think it's, it is, it's a good story that leads to a beautiful part of the book. I agree. I
0: agree. Um, Okay. Dan, the last question we always ask. Because the show is called That Sounds Fun.
1: Tell me what yeah. sounds fun to you. Oh, my gosh. I can't even think about that right now. You have just, to um, all the time. That's the joy I, of fun. I know. It's honestly just getting to go do something fun with my kids. It's been chaotic yeah. with three different like drop off and pick up times with school back on campus. Yes. So, so what sounds fun to me right now is just having a weekend with no, not even, well, baseball actually. I, won't, I don't mind going to baseball yes. games to watch my son. But, I love going like, to going baseball to, just, to watch your son. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I can't like I can't wait for it to start for fall ball to start yeah. back up. Um yeah, just having like an a, an unplanned just couple of days with them to do yeah. whatever Whatever they want, like whether that's watching a movie and just like chilling all day or going to go play mini golf, or I don't I just something, yeah. That that sounds fun. And also coming to Nashville. I'm dying to get back Uh, to Nashville. Ready for you to be here. I know. Um, you know what's funny about your answer though, is like
0: it is exactly what is always true is like in 2020, that's what we had every day was the kids home with nothing to do. And it it just gave so many of us such a new appreciation for the things that we didn't realize were just like uh, we we
1: were going to miss someday. Right. Right. And it's funny because for 20, the end, I told you this when you visited me at the beginning of 2020, it was going to be my down year. Yeah. I wasn't going to travel anywhere. <laughs> Guess what? You did it. I, <laughs> but we did these, we did quarantine holidays. Yes. Um, like during April, every week was a different holiday. And we actually like, so like celebrated, like made the crafts, made the food. Like we made a full Thanksgiving dinner for Put up a Christmas week. tree. Put up a Christmas tree. Watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade on YouTube oh, in the awesome. middle of April. <laughs> it was so fun and magical. And I was like, I, but now life is kind of back to being busy. And yeah. yeah, that's that's what I miss. So that sounds fun right now. It was just like getting to do all of that special time with my kids again. Yeah.
0: Oh, I love you. Thanks for making time for this. I can't wait for people oh, to Thank you for radio. having me. You. Oh y'all isn't she the best my gosh I just love Danielle so so much I'm so proud of her for writing this book y'all it took so much heart and time and it's just a beautiful memoir make sure you grab a copy of food save me it's out tomorrow and make sure you're following Danielle you can tell her thanks so much for being on the show if you need anything else from me you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and in over two weeks out on the road with the that sounds fun tour all the places you may need me that's how you can find me And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. Have a great couple of days. We'll see you back here on Wednesday with my good friend, Christy Wright. See y'all then.